Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, good morning, folks. What an amazing day. What an amazing day. It is such beautiful weather. 64 degrees. Oh, a little bit of a breeze. It's it's almost cold. You may want to put on a jacket or something to be outside in this weather. This is football weather. That'll be a great day for football. Um, let's go to the phone. This is um, this is Bob. Bob, thanks for hanging on. What can I help you with? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, you touched on chinch bugs just a little while ago. Just a question for you, you know, with the kind of summer we had, uh, you, you know, the chinch bugs really did a, a number on my turf, and they came back in the same spot that they came from last year and the year before that. My question is, is there anything like beneficial nematodes or anything that can be done over the winter period that could kind of break this cycle of the chinch bugs? They're not that kind of insect. Um they, they're in the soil. They cause problems. And soil-borne insects usually can be taken care of with, with the beneficial nematodes. But they're not that kind of soil-borne insect. So what you can try doing is you can try um, like a spinosad soil drench. Now, it will affect them. It's a contact kill. It's also something that if they... Get it in them, it'll kill them. It's a poison. So you can try uh, getting the concentrate, mixing it up according to instructions, and drench the area where you're having a problem with them. Okay. You might do this two weeks later and, until you run out of concentrate. The heat and dryness are really going to fire them up. Yeah. Okay, and it's can you can do this over the winter period then is what, what you're saying as well. Yes, you can because if there's the, if the insect is uh, dormant in the soil or hibernating in the soil, it will still get the spinosad in it, which will kill it. Okay, that's great. I'm just trying to find something that can try help break break this cycle that I go through every summer. It seems like in the same exact spot. So uh, this is very helpful. Thank you. Well, good luck on it because it it can be difficult to really get control of them. They're, they're, they are a pain to say the least. But this should help uh, get you some manageability. All right. I'll give it a shot. I really appreciate the info. Thanks for the call, Bob. Yeah, folks, uh, we have certain insects that seem like they're impossible to get rid of. We have ones that really bad one year and not see them at all the next year. Sometimes uh, I know that we had a run on um, the Janista moth went crazy, and we had those hairy caterpillars all over our crepe myrtles, and they were you just could not get ahead of the problem. And then suddenly, hey, it's like they disappeared. 
it's really hard to get a, a balance on some of the insects we have to deal with. Let's go to the phone. It's James. James, what can I help you with? Yeah, to stay with your theme, I um, uh, my purple hole pea crop was pretty much destroyed this year by uh, leaf cutter ants, and I tried cursing them. I tried burning them with my torch. That did make me feel better. Uh, <laughs> I have tried uh, diatomaceous earth. Texas A&M doesn't really give any other good suggestions when they're in the garden. So what's the latest and greatest? Nothing. The reason why they don't give you any good suggestions is because they're considered, brace yourself, they're considered beneficial. Because they take part of the leaf and they drag it down into the soil where it starts to decompose, they consider that to be beneficial to the soil. Not very beneficial okay. to your plants. Yeah, I know. It's like, wait a minute. This isn't. This isn't good. Um, there, there really isn't an easy or obvious fix to this. Um, they can attack a rose or a crepe myrtle. They'll strip it, and they'll come back. They'll put on new leaves later. I'm not quite sure how it works when things where you're getting them eating your southern peas because those don't really get to come back. Well, the, the leaves will come back because I think they're better a better farmer than I am. They will <laughs> strip the plant they'll strip the plant down to where it doesn't quite die and they come back beautifully only to be stripped again. Yep. Yep, it's, it is so incredibly frustrating. There is no real answer. I guess on the I can consider uh, leaf cutter ants being beneficial as Aggie logic? Uh, no comment on that one. Uh, yeah, they're beneficial to the soil. They are not necessarily beneficial to you in the garden. Yeah. Okay, well, I thought maybe you had uh you had broken through with a uh a remedy that would make you rich and I was going to be the first to know, but uh <laughs> unfortunately, I'm maybe I'll come up with something. Hey, if you do, there are a lot of people who would love to see it. But Right now, there still isn't an easy solution to them, and uh, a lot of people, they don't believe that they're beneficial, but we don't have an answer, so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for visiting with me about him. <laughs> Thanks for the call, James. All right. Um, let's go to the phone. This is... Um, this is Sam. Sam, what can I help you with? Hi, I live in Cedar Park, and I have a relatively thin layer of soil over the limestone, and I really have two questions. What I'd like to do is, when the rains start, is 
put steer manure over my lawns, which is what I did in California, and it really made a big difference. I just don't know if that's a good idea to put 15 or 20 sacks of steer manure over my lawns. Then the other question I have is, and I'll take the answer over the air, is you mentioned putting covers over plants when the freeze comes. I've got several large bougainvilleas and ceramic pots that can't be moved, and I don't know what to cover them with. Those are my two questions. Got it. I got fairly simple answers for you, too, Sam. Yes, putting the compost on your turf is a good thing during the cool weather, either fall or early spring. And there are soil yards up by you where you can get them to deliver it by the truckload for you so that you don't have to buy 18 bags and move them around or whatever. You only need between a quarter inch and a half an inch, and it will do wonders for your turf. Just spread it thin. Um, a good quality organic matter, a good compost will work great. Straight manure is an issue because we have uh, herbicides that the, the animal can eat the turf, can eat the grasses, and the herbicide comes right out the other end, still very potent. So it can wind up killing various grasses and turf. And there's no way to know if that happens. So you want a really, really well composted, super well composted uh, organic matter to go out there. And as for covering your plants, we have a product here called Frost Cloth. It looks like almost t-shirt material, and it will give you somewhere between four to six degrees to pr protection uh, for whatever is underneath it. So if it's gonna be 32, and you cover the plant with the frost cloth, uh, you, you will get 34 to 36 degrees to protect it. Now you have to understand, we reach temperatures here where there is no protection other than moving the plants inside. Because we get down in Leander, you guys will get down to four or five degrees, and the frost cloth won't protect your plants at that temperature. But cooler temperatures, when it's just barely going to frost, it's a really inexpensive and it lasts a long time and it will give you, like I said, four to six degrees of warmth. Thank you very much. That's what I'll get. You can find it at any of your local independent nurseries. Good frost cloth. I'd never heard of it, but I'll I'll get it, and I thank you very much. As for the mulch, I didn't realize the herbicide was going to be in the steer manure, but I don't want to take that chance. So I'll just get a right. get. I'll just get a landscaper to deliver a truckload of the of the mulch, and I I appreciate it very much. I would never have known that had you not said it. Uh, you would have discovered it, <laughs> and I didn't want you to go through that. Thank you very um, much for saving me that trouble. Thanks for the call, and I, Sam. And I very much appreciate your program. I've learned a lot since moving here. I listen to you every weekend, and you've been very, very helpful.
If you notice, we're not California, are we? You're a little hotter. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Sam. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, folks. Let's go to the phone. This is um, this is Roger. Roger, what can I help you with? Yeah, thank you for your show, Jeff. Uh, yeah, y'all were talking about uh, corn gluten a little earlier. What's the, the best way to apply it is by hand, or do you, need, do you need a spreader, or what's the deal with that? Time-wise, it would be good if you had a spreader. It, it, it doesn't go on very thick, but it's safe enough to use your bare hands if you want to. Um, you need a very light dusting of it. Uh, a, a bag tends to cover about 2,000 square feet, but either way. Barehanded is safe, but a, a spreader will uh, make it a lot faster, uh, faster process for you. Well, I got a sage that's spread out all over the place, and I got uh, bergolites growing up underneath it. And that's why I'm trying to get killed out. So, uh, by hand, maybe the only way I can do it. I just wonder if it's safe for my uh, shrubs and all that. It is safe for an already growing plant. But understand, if the weed is already growing, the corn gluten is not going to kill it. Well, I'm waiting for next year's growth to be killed out. Ah, spring. got it, got it. But this, yeah, this year they're already there. Yeah, and that's frustrating. I've got the same situation. But it is safe to use barehanded, and... If you're particularly trying to prevent weeds from growing in a certain area, it may be more cost-effective rather than just spreading it everywhere. Okay. I'll just try to concentrate in that one area. That's the biggest problem I got. I got weeds everywhere, but I got a lot more to take care of that. You betcha. You betcha. Uh, All right. Thank you, Jeff. Hook them horns. Yeah, you bet. Okay, let's go to the phone. This is Syed. Yes, I'm here. Hello? Yes, what can I help you with? Uh, I would like a quick list, if you wouldn't mind, of um, uh, all vegetables to plant by seed. And um, I've noticed that there's some, on some of the packets I have for our area in Texas, they wouldn't be appropriate times. Could you just run a real quick? quick list down the things we could and should plant successfully veggies? now by seed. Are you looking for veggies? Yes, yes, that's right. Okay. Carrots and beets. Leafy greens such as kale, spinach, lettuces, mustards, you can do broccoli, cabbage, and cauliflower now also. Okay. That sounds that sounds like that'll keep me busy. Are there any things that are root um, going into the ground in terms of roots uh, other than, uh, well, I'm just thinking of over 
things on uh, growing up, but anything growing down also. Is there a, are there, let's see, beets, is that right? Yeah. Beets, beets and carrots. The, the only one. And carrots. Okay. Now, um, there's a whole host of different kinds of radishes, too. I never remember to include those, but they grow well here and fast. So radishes are also like a root crop you could produce. Do, do they need cool weather? I like radishes. Uh, do they need the cooler, they'll cooler do, months? They'll do better in cooler weather, but you'd be amazed at how well they can even do in the middle of summer. Oh, okay. I've never done that, but I'll sure I'll sure do it this coming summer. You bet. Well, that that's very helpful. I appreciate it, Jeff. Well. Thank you much for the call, and uh, you got a good time to start putting these things in the ground. So, hope it works out for you. Oh, I, I'm sure it will. Many thanks. You bet. Bye for now. Thank you. Um, Daniel, I see you sitting there. Um, there's not enough time left in the hour. I need to break for the news at the bottom of the hour. So if you can hang on, I'll catch you on the other side. Folks, There, you can always find a planting guide for your vegetables. Google Travis County Master Gardener's Guide. They have a schedule that'll tell you when you should look at planting things. Please remember, they're guidelines. They're not set in stone and plants can't read. So this guide will give you the rough time of year. You still have to take into account what's the actual weather like. So, folks, I'm going to take a quick break. I will catch you on the other side. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, let's go to the phone. Daniel, thanks for hanging on. What can I help you with? Hey, this, is, this is Dino, but uh, I got a question. I got briars real bad around my shop. It's, I, got a, I got a concrete slab. And it's like a space in between there, and I've killed them. I've sprayed them and sprayed them. What is the best way to get rid of them, Bryce? Unfortunately, the best way would be to pull them out. But because there's a concrete slab, I put some stuff on there that even killed two trees. And right now they're all brown and dead, and I took one of them weed eaters with the blade, and I cut them off. Is there something I can spray on them to kill them roots? Um, No, if they aren't dead already, the, the best thing you can do is keep cutting them. Never let them have a single green leaf. That's the problem. If they have a green leaf, that means they're taking in energy, They're storing it up, and they're going to keep growing. If you keep cutting those green leaves off, the minute you can, you will slowly starve the plants, and it will kill them. 
Could I, could I spray diesel and oil on it? Would that help? I'm not going to recommend that. Uh, and to be honest, I don't know if it will or not. I mean, I've got them. I mean, there's thousands of them, and I've I've, I've sprayed them, and and they're all dead right now. They got no green leaves on them at all, and it's been like that for about three months. But you're saying well, just go ahead and just keep cutting them. Yep, don't let them have any green at all ever, and that will be the way that you take them out. Okay. And another thing, if anybody needs any passion flowers, the blue ones, I started with one, and you can't kill them passion flowers. I've got 10,000 to 20,000 of them. I live over here in Bastrop on 239 Foothill Road. If anybody needs them, all they need is one. And and you can just put it in, a, uh, just take a stem, put it in a glass of water, and it'll root by itself. If anybody needs them, I've got hundreds of thousands of them <laughs> they are wonderful plants for here in texas for that reason they grow so easily and they're beautiful so you're you're getting the best of the best there they just get carried away sometimes yep i, I even my neighbor across the street got them in his yard now <laughs> and, they, <laughs> and, they grow, and they grow four inches a day with the proper watering believe it or not Yep, yep, wonderful plant for here. Just uh, sometimes they get a little too aggressive. Oh yeah, they took over my, my they took over a hundred by hundred uh, area. It's just solid. And I've been wondering where can I get the, the the red one? I've got the blue ones. Is there a place where I can get at least a couple of those red ones? Now I'm gonna try the red ones. There are nurseries that get them in, usually around. June or July, where you may be able to get one of the red passion flowers, um, okay. but it's going to be spring, early summer next year before they'll have them. Okay. And I listen to your show every weekend. You're great, and I learned a lot of things. Well, thank you much, Daniel. Thank you for the call. Ha good luck with uh, your passion flowers. Um, folks, let's go to the phone. This is Matt. Matt, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. I have some transplants, green transplants, uh, fall broccoli, cabbage, whatever. I have my garden was solarized for about two months. I took the canvas off prior to the rain last week, whatever. The question is, in the old days and previously, I've got a garden tiller. I till it up, hoe up in rows, and plant, transplant. But there's different options, and what's your opinion on tilling? If I don't till it, do I just dig a hole and stick them in the ground? You can do that. You, you can do that. Tilling causes various problems to the soil. Your little tiller is probably not as bad as if you were tilling an acre or so where you would create what's called a hard pan. And a hard pan is terrible. You can um, add, do uh, a dose of molasses, use Medina soil activator, any of those things. You can add a thin layer of compost on top of the soil. 
those things will loosen that soil back up. They'll put the organic matter back in the soil for you. They'll get everything. That solarizing killed all of the little biology in there. And doing those things will bring them back. And you do not have to till. I might rake it pretty good to make sure you got the dead weeds and stuff out. But you yeah. do not have to till. I was just concerned because it seemed like it's going to be pretty compacted. It uh, Obviously, it is. Um, you can usually fix that with a simple garden fork. Stab it in the okay. ground and wiggle it a little, pull it out. Next, stab it in the ground, pull it out. That'll loosen the soil up. And simply digging and putting a plant in there, as the plant sets its roots, that alone is going to tear up the soil and loosen it for you. But you do not need to till it. Okay, well, that's interesting. I guess a lot of tillers are going to be uh, left in the garage or put out of business. It's like this that's old school now. Well, and the funny thing about it is the U.S. Department of Agriculture started telling people to not till in the 40s. And you can wow. see people are like, ah, no, I'm going to anyway because of what it can do for the soil. But the long-term damage that can be caused by tilling. So it's a trade-off. But, yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad to hear that because it's, you know, hanging onto the handles of a tiller can beat you up. It's not easy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, it can. And uh, I have been on the working end of that, and I do not till. For that, that's one of the reasons why. The tiller is just too much to try to manage in some places. But yes. up to you. You can do it if you need to or want to, but you shouldn't really have to. Just plant the plant in the garden and let the plant start growing. It'll set roots and tear up the soil for you. I was thinking about just light, lightly holding up a, a bedding up a row just with a hole. Uh, loosen the soil, that that would be an alternative, I guess. Yeah, that will help you out rather than okay. turning over everything. Good. Okay, sounds great. Thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Matt. Let's go to the phone. This is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, what can I help you with? Good morning, Jeff. Um, let's see, I have a orange tree question. Um and I tried to look it up because the uh, the leaves are brown on the tips, and the leaves that are still green are kind of blotchy. So uh, is it suffering from the heat or not enough fertilizer, or have I got some kind of bacteria or fungal disease? The last one's a possibility. No guarantee. The last one's a possibility, and you will see if it uh, comes out of that and starts greening up again. Browning on the edges can be a water condition problem. Too much water will brown the edges also. Right. And uh, you should be fertilizing citrus 
about once a month because citrus can take all the fertilizer you give it. Yeah, I've been holding back on it because of the heat, but uh, probably... Uh, well, I'll get I'll give it some some fertilizer and and more water and uh, what can I spray on it for the possible fungal problems? The possible one it is there's really nothing you can spray on it. Yeah. Okay. okay. The blotchiness is probably not a fungus. It could be a disease. And you're not going to find out, but if you can start evening out the water and you start evening out the fertilizer routine, you will see it start putting on new growth and the old nasty leaves should fall off. Okay. Well, they're putting on new growth. Um, So, yeah. That's all you want to see. That is really all you want to see because they can get to look really terrible and then all of a sudden, in a short period of time, they put on all new growth and look absolutely fine. Okay. Okay. Um, is it wrong? Don't they like to dry out between waterings? I thought they didn't like to have wet feet all the time. That's true. They okay. would like a good deep soaking, and then you don't water again till the soil is pretty dry, you know, four or five inches down. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll try that. Do you have time for uh, another question about planting fruit trees? I'm uh, Elizabeth, can you hang on? I'm right on a break right now. Sure. Let me go through this break, and I'll catch you on the other side of it. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, folks. Uh, guys on the phone, do we still have Elizabeth? I'm, I am still here, um, and I'm, what was I'm your trying question? to keep in mind. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to keep in mind you're short on time here. So uh, quickly, I've got an area that's about 15 by 25 feet. I'd like to plant some fruit trees. Um, Nothing, nothing too fancy. Just some pomegranates and uh, native plums, maybe a pear tree. And what's there now is real poor soil with a bunch of stickers and love grass. And I'd like to get them in this fall, but I think I've learned my lesson about soil prep. And I'm wondering if I should just put down six inches of compost and let it just sit for months and months uh, and and give the soil a chance to improve before I put anything in. You could try putting down the compost now and most of the fruit trees you named are going to start showing up January. So that gives that soil some time to take up that the leach from the compost to help improve the soil. And it'll be easier to work for when you go to dig the holes to plant the trees. So that's oh, great. not a bad idea. Yeah, and it will help. Um, it, it's good weather for this. You don't have to worry about it burning anything. And we just need the rain. 
If we yeah. follow through and, and are getting rain, that'll improve that piece of ground, and you could get those plants in there then. Okay. All right. That helps a lot. Um, thank you so much, and thanks for all the good information you give us all. Uh, have a great day. Enjoy the weather. You too. You too, Elizabeth. Thank you for the call. Let's go to the phone. This is uh, Gary. Gary, what can I help you with? Uh, good morning. Hey, I got a question. With this Thursday, we had that rain, about an inch of rain uh, for pecan trees. You know, after it stopped raining, it was just sort of light drizzle. We went out there, and we looked. It looked like there's like some uh, white snow around the base of the trees. We went out there, and there was bubbles on the base of the tree, just, just in one section. And I looked up and down the tree, and their bubbles were coming out of the trunk of the tree and running down the tree. This is just on one little you know, side of the tree. But it was all of the, we had about four pecan trees, and every pecan tree had those bubbles coming out of the trunk. And I've never seen that before. I was wondering if you happen to know what that is, so what caused it? Okay, one thing you can do, go take a couple of fingers and wipe your fingers on those bubbles, and you want to smell it. If it smells like alcohol, it is probably a disease um, gosh, I had the name of it on the tip of my tongue and I can't remember it. It is something you can't do anything about and should not be deadly to the tree. It looks weird as can be and uh Oh, I'm so disappointed in myself. This is a cool-sounding disease. Oh, it's called slime flux. And that sounds lovely. It can have a very alcoholic smell to it. And if it doesn't smell like alcohol, it may be a little sticky. It's basically too much in the tree of a certain kind of bacteria and it causes it to bubble like this. It will not kill the tree. And there's really nothing you can do about it. It'll finally work its way out of the tree. And the tree will be just fine. But it's called slime flux. And it will affect not just pecans. You can get it on oaks and elms and all kinds of trees. It looks okay, weird. Well we just saw it on just the pecan trees, and we had another elm trees, and it did nothing on those or anything. And I was wondering, maybe it had something to do with the drought, because the branches on some of those on those trees are about three or four branches that are had those dead brown leaves on them. I thought maybe that mm-hmm. had something to do with it too. Um, not directly, not directly. Um, that may not have helped the tree. That may have weakened it a little bit, making it susceptible to the disease, but you can get, you can have a perfect year, perfect amount of rain, temperatures, everything, and still get slime flux. Okay, I see. But it should not be terminal. It will finally work its way out and uh, stop at some point, but it should not be terminal to the tree. Okay, well, I'll just wait till the next rain we get and see if it bubbles 
come out again because <laughs> that's the first time I've seen that ever. And, and you know, you're right. We rain again. That may cause it to bubble some more. But after a while, it'll finally stop. Okay, I was just curious as to what it was that it might harm the tree, but that answered my question. I appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Gary. Yeah, folks, I, I love Slime Flux simply because it's got a cool name. Uh, let's go to the phone. This is Mike. Mike, what can I help you with? Yes, sir. So I have about, uh, they're 20 to 30 feet tall. Uh, crepe myrtle's been there forever because of the inclement snowmageddon and the one this earlier year. They've taken a toll on it. I've got several branches that are really bending over. They, I've left it alone. They don't look like they're coming back. What's the best way to save the tree, not kill it? And when can I cut it back? And can I cut them all the way back or to what extent? Hmm. Okay. The branches that are really bending, they're not breaking, are they? No. Okay. That's a good sign. You can trim that crepe myrtle. You can probably wait till it goes dormant. When it sheds all its leaves, you'll get a good view in the tree. And you can go up there if you've got a pole saw, whether it's an electric one or a, a pole-type pole saw. You can use those and make nice, clean cuts flush to the trunk. Just watch those branches as they fall. You can cut out anything that doesn't look right in the tree. The crepe myrtle will replace whatever you cut out in no time at all. But let's let the water catch up a little bit. Let's wait till it sheds all its leaves and goes dormant. And then you can get a good view of it and you could trim it up. You can shape it. You can raise the canopy. You can open it up so it gets more sun in it. But if you wait a little longer, let it drop those leaves, you can do the trimming then. Hey, that's great. And one last quick. I have other area that is no grass. I got some Bermuda seed. There's some little weeds all covered it. Uh, should I go in there and maybe eliminate the weeds with a weed eater, and then can I seed it, or, or the, will the seed push out those small little ground cover weeds? Okay, first off, Bermuda needs warm weather to germinate. You're cutting warm. it close, uh, above 85. Okay. You're cutting it close, and it may still work. The idea of removing what's growing there now with a weed eater, that means the seed has a better chance to land in the soil. And the better the seed-to-soil contact, the better the germination. So... Uh, we need it? Sure, no problem. But if you're going to do so, you may want to hurry because if it yes. starts getting cooler temperatures, that Bermuda won't germinate. Hey, that's great. Great info. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for the call, Mike. Yeah, folks, you can do your ryegrasses soon. If you want to start improve your soil, good time to start thinking about putting that ryegrass down. Bermuda gets too cold, it won't germinate. Keep that stuff in mind. Folks, this has been Gardening Naturally. Have a fantastic day, as beautiful as it is. 
I will talk to you all tomorrow at 8 a.m.